The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, Grove Church. I woke up Friday morning with a pretty nasty sore throat, so here I am. The show must continue. So today is subdued, Andrew. Is that okay? Um, If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Acts 2. There's a Bible under the seat in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, you can take one of those with you. We're going to be in Acts 2 today uh, in verse 32. And we're continuing our series, Peer Pressure, talking about the importance of positive peer pressure. Yes, it can be negative, but we're focusing today on positive peer pressure today. Um, I do want to take a moment and pray for Pastor Nick and his team. Uh, they are down in Panama. We do a lot of mission work in Panama. And uh, they left, I think, yesterday late or early. I can't remember. Yesterday early, early, yeah. And so uh, they're there now, but we want to pray for them as uh, they're doing great work down there. So can you bow your heads and we'll pray for them today. Uh, Lord God, thank you so much for who you are in our lives. Thank you for Pastor Nick, God, and this team, God. I, be- I pray, God, you would use them. I pray, God, that you would uh, pour out your grace upon them, protect them, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, for our work in Panama, building classrooms for kids to get an education. So our prayer is that, God, everything uh, would come about effectively and bring them home safely. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we continue this series, um, today I want to talk about the idea of welcoming people to the party. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, I love parties, okay? I'm a big party guy. Now, I'm talking about the right kind of party, you know, the one where you know where you are the next day, okay? So I'm not talking about those kind of parties, um, but I grew up having lots of parties at my house, and I love really any kind of party. Christmas parties, birthday parties, pumpkin parties, um, really anything, weddings, um, anything that just gathers people I love. And my daughter, who's two now, she's growing like a weed, uh, her name's Liddy, and uh, she wakes up in the morning sometimes and says, Daddy, I want to have a party. And I was like, we're not having a party that day. And so she'll just run around the house, I love parties. And then she'll be like, we call and sing happy birthday. And so then we'll call someone, and it's not their birthday, but we'll sing them happy birthday. It's weird. Um, But yeah, we love parties, and she loves parties, so it's all working out great. Um, But recently, this summer, I went to a party. Uh, It was a wedding, and the food was uh, like Mexican tacos, like street tacos with rice and beans. And I'm like, Jesus has returned, okay? (laughs) Jesus has returned. Best wedding food ever. Um, but yeah, I love parties. I've thrown a lot of parties. My, my mom every year throws a pumpkin party. We're getting ready for that. We'll carve pumpkins and they look horrible, but she thinks it's great. And so we'll go. But man, I love, I love just gathering with people and having fun. And what's cool about parties is um, when you're invited. But what's not cool about a party is when you're not invited. And I don't know if you've ever been there where you're not invited to a party, but I've been there a few times. And no one likes not being invited to a party. Everybody wants to be a part of the party. Everybody wants to go. Well, I had an experience where I wasn't invited to a party recently, and it hurt. Um, So what happened was, is about... About a year ago, I, I joined CrossFit, and then I quit because my arms were too big for their workouts. And, <laughs> and so what ended, up, what ended up happening is... <laughs> I, I've been looking forward to this joke all week, <laughs> all week. 
So what ended up happening was um, after I quit, a few months later, I was feeling really sad and depressed. So I went on Facebook, which is a great place for encouragement. <laughs> and so I went on there around Christmas time and the CrossFit team were throwing this huge epic Christmas party and all the guys were looking all fancy and all the girls were dressed all nice. And I was like, dang it, I should have quit in January. <laughs> but no one likes the feeling of not being invited to a party, obviously. What's cool about the Bible and what I love the Bible teaches is that there's an ongoing party happening every time the church gathers that there's celebration, that there's excitement when God's people gather together. But the Bible specifically speaks about a party that happens because of one major cause. There's a cause that happens, something happens in someone's life, and there's a party that happens with God in heaven. I want to read to you Luke 15, and then we'll move over to Acts But Luke 15, check out this ongoing party. It says, the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders, saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Talk about a party when one puts their faith in Christ. Let's pray for God's word today and the message. God, we just thank you for today. And Lord, even though I sound like a dead frog, we thank you, God, that you're here, that you're alive in us, that you're speaking through your word. And so I just pray, God, that you would speak to all of our hearts. It's in your good name we pray. Amen. More joy over one person who puts their faith in Christ joy and excitement, a party, a celebration, when one says yes to Jesus. Now, one of the authors that I read, great pastor, his name's John Piper, and he writes this about this idea of Luke 15. You know, it has the one sheep, it has the one coin, it has the lost sons. John Piper writes this, in spite of his majesty and holiness and universal power and greatness, he astonishingly cares for individual human beings, one at a time. There was one sheep out of a hundred and one coin out of 10. God has a universe to run and galaxies to uphold and atomic particles to manage and governments to rule in his providence. But there is not much in the Bible that says all heaven rejoices over orbits of the stars or the rises of kings or the global women's conference in China. It's true that God takes pleasure in all that he does, but Jesus is clearly referring to something special in these parables. When one sinner repents, there is a special joy in heaven. God cares for individuals one at a time. 
See, I love this verse, and I love what John's saying here, because what John's reminding us and what Jesus said so powerfully was a kind of a feeling I felt early on in my walk with Christ. Of, Man, how can this great big God who created the stars and the skies and in these incredible planets. How, how does this great big God who created the, the Olympics and the Cascades, how can this great big God care for me? Have interest in me? Care about my life? Care about the inner workings of my family and my desires? But Jesus teaches and then John reminds us that God is a God who cares individually each person he cares for. Each person matters a great deal to God. Each person has a unique gift set and personality. You and I are not just a dot on a map somewhere on this planet or a dot on some place or a person that does not matter or does not have any care or knowledge of. You have to understand that God and his great mercy and compassion and his ability to think through anything at any time in any place is a God who cares individually about you you specifically has designed you for his purposes and loves you now as we get into acts 2 where i kind of want to focus on today you got to understand that there is this whole thing happening with the early disciples you got to remember they were with jesus for three years he dies on a cross he rises again on the third day he appears to many of the disciples in the upper room. There's about a, you know, them and, a, and then a crowd, about 120 people. Well, as we get to Acts 2 here, right before Acts 2, Jesus is telling the disciples, he's now conquered, you know, death, sin, and the grave, and he's telling the disciples, you got to wait here now for the Holy Spirit. You got to wait here for his presence to fill you, and then you're going to go out and continue the work that we've done. In Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So as they're waiting in the upper room, they're waiting for the Spirit of God to come. They're waiting for the Spirit, God's Spirit, to live inside of them, to empower them to live a Christian life to live a godly life, all of a sudden God's presence fills this place. This is on Pentecost, signifying God's presence filling this place, appearing to all of them, and they all get filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm kind of just recapping here for you. Acts 1 and 2, they all get filled with the Holy Spirit, and what begins up happening is there's all these people from all different languages and tribes and backgrounds, and they all hear each other's languages among each other. This person was speaking Portuguese and this person was speaking French and yet their natural language was, you know, Spanish or whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, this great outpouring of God's Spirit's happening here and God's moving in incredible ways and then there's mockers. Just like there's mockers today, there were mockers then. There's mockers that are saying, these guys, they're not filled with the Holy Spirit, they're drunk on wine. They're, they're, they're totally drunk right now on wine. And this is when Peter now stands up and he gives this long sermon about what this is. He gives this long explanation. He references the prophet Joel. 
pouring out his spirit upon all people. He references King David. He references the lineage of Jesus. He's sharing all these things about what this actually is, trying to explain it to the crowd. And we're gonna pick up what he's trying to explain to the crowd here in verse 32 of Acts 2. It says, God raised Jesus from the dead. This is Peter preaching here. And we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the highest place, sorry, he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see in here today. For David himself never ascended into heaven. Yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, to your children, and to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to that church about 3,000 in all. Everyone say party. party. Epic party, right? I mean, 3,000 people get saved in one day. Now I'm going to get to the implications of that party in a minute, but I want to just touch on a few things here. Peter's sharing this awesome message about who Christ was, about what he did. And it says in verse 37 that Peter's words pierced their hearts. See, there's something you must understand that was happening then and continues to happen today. The word of God is being preached by Peter. He's bringing a word about who Christ is, about what he's done. And what happens is it's piercing their hearts. What's so important for you and I as believers to understand that the word of God is alive and active and continues to pierce our hearts today. It's not my words, right? Because my words are pretty empty. It's not the words of any speaker or pastor, but it's the very words of God that continue to pierce our hearts today. In fact, the Bible teaches that this word of God is alive, active, sharper than any two-edged sword and pierces the hearts of joints and marrows and helps us be changed. So it's important to understand that when we gather together and we read from Scripture, just like the crowd then, it pierced their hearts. So today, by God's Spirit, His Word is going to pierce our hearts and continue to challenge us to how we're living and what we should do in light of the message of Scripture. In fact, the Bible says that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, that it continues to help us live a godly life. 
So in that day, as Peter is sharing and speaking the words of God and speaking from God's word, it, what's happening in the people, in the crowd, is they're being convicted. God's doing a work in their heart. There's a softening. He's breaking up some hard ground. The potters really work in the clay here. And all of a sudden now, their response is this. Well, Peter, we hear what you're saying, so what should we do? Meaning, what do we need here? What is our need? And here's what their need was. They needed the forgiveness of God. They needed God's forgiveness. They're coming to recognize as a crowd far from God that Jesus is alive for them. They've come to now realize and are starting to understand that their sin has offended God and that because they violated God's law, they're now separated from God. But now God, through the offering of his son, is offering them redemption, is offering them forgiveness. The word I love here, he's offering them rescue. It would be like this, if you were in a boat and you were drowning, it would not be that just someone throws you a life raft and says, here's a life raft, hang in there, I'll be back. That's not what Jesus did for us when we were in our sin, in the ocean, full of mess and yuck. What God did was, no, 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 I'm going to take your entire boat and I'm going to pick you up out of that and I'm going to rescue you right here. It's a need for forgiveness. So what happens is they say, well, what should we do? Peter says, you need to understand your need for forgiveness, that your sins Though now are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, as Isaiah teaches us, because of what Christ has done. Their other need is the need for the Holy Spirit. See, here's what happens. When you and I are pierced by the word of God, and our hearts are being changed, our hearts are being softened, which is what's happening here today, your heart's being softened to the things of God by the power of his spirit, what ends up happening is you want to change. You want to repent. You want to turn from a habit or a vice or something that's holding you back. And so repent, repentance is just turning the other way, going in the opposite direction of where your life has gone. But what you have to understand is the need for the Spirit of God. Because you can repent every day and try to turn, but unless God's Spirit is molding and shaping your thinking and challenging your actions, and challenging your daily life, you're just going to repent, and then fall back, fall back to sin, and repent, and fall back to sin, because you need the daily filling of the Spirit of God to empower you to live a godly life. So they, they, they see this need for the Holy Spirit. Now, what's amazing about the Holy Spirit? You're like, well, I don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. I mean, I know there's God, and I know there's Christ and his work, but what's the Holy Spirit? I love to think about the Holy Spirit like it's a, just a fruit tree. The Holy Spirit is love. The Holy Spirit is kindness. The Holy Spirit is self-control. The Holy Spirit is gentleness. The Holy Spirit is faithfulness. These are the fruits of the Spirit. So this is why somebody who maybe was far from God, didn't know Christ, was a real angry person. But then they come to find Christ and for some, man, immediately they start having more joy. They start having more confidence. They start having more hope. They're a lot kinder because the Spirit of God is at work in their life. So he says to them, here's what you should do. You need to repent and you need to get baptized. 
And this is for you. This is for your children. This is for everyone who's far away. This is for everybody. And what's their response? What's the crowd's response? Bless you. What's the crowd's response? Their, their response was not, bless you. Okay, what's their response? Their response is, we feel this need for forgiveness. We, we, we know we need this Holy Spirit that you speak of. And so our response is, grab your mom, grab your dad, grab the kids, 3,000 respond. Now, you have to understand what's happening here. The early church, the disciples and Jesus, there was only 12, right? 11, Judas betrayed Jesus. Then in the upper room, there's only 120. That's a small group of people. Now it's going from 120 to 3,000. This is a Yahoo party, Yahtzee, yippee-yay-yay. This is craziness. This is celebration. This is amazing. This is celebrate good times. Come on. That's what this is, okay? This is a huge party and celebration as the Spirit of God is at work in their lives. And I mean, you've seen how we do Baptism Sunday here. So we've, you know, had a line maybe right here. But can you imagine baptism then? A line around the town. People like, we need more shirts. We need more towels. We need more food. This is celebration. Husbands and wives and cousins and friends and brothers and sisters and neighbors and associates and co-workers all saying yes to Jesus, all saying yes to this incredible miracle, all responding to the message of Christ, all coming to the party of salvation. I mean, I can't imagine what the heaven sounded like when 3,000 said yes to him. Luke tells us just when one says yes to him, but here it's 3,000. See, the other thing about celebrations and parties is they always have to come to an end. I hate the end of parties, don't you? My daughter cries over them, you know? Like, I don't want the party over. Right? Like, parties ending is never fun. And so th this, th there has to come to an end to this party. Th th this, there's 3,000 people. There's crowds and people everywhere, but they're like, okay, so now what do we do? There's, there's, so we have th the, 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 the leaders, we have 3,000 new believers, guys. We only had 120, and we were barely doing good then. Now there's 20 times that. What are we going to do? They decided, okay, you know what? We're going to start gathering in one another's homes. We're going to start building each other up in one another's homes. And here's what the early church begins to do. They form a community and here's what this community is known for. They form themselves in relationship with one another, never in isolation. How opposite is this to America today? Where everything is about the individual. And everything is about what you should do. Yet in Christianity in its early stages, it was unheard of. Unheard of to be a follower of Christ and do it alone. Unheard of. 
It was polar opposite of first century thinking. Families lived together in homes and in-laws and cousins all stayed in the same places. And so it's a challenge for us today that as Christ followers, we're called to form in community and live in community with one another. They devoted themselves to the word of God, didn't they? They began to read the scriptures and be taught the word of God and commit themselves to be getting pierced over and over and over by the very words of God. You know what else I find really important is they devoted themselves to fellowshipping together and hanging out together. You see, I love this idea because it speaks importantly about our church and what we do with our life groups. And it's an interesting thing because for me, this relates so well to me. Because for me, practically speaking, I have a wife, a two-year-old daughter, and another daughter on the way. And so for me to have fellowship and relationship with other people that I can share my life with in this stage is an important thing. For example, my daughter Liddy, you know, she's a little over two now, and uh, I wish somebody would have said, hey, your girl's gonna be really emotional. I, I wish somebody would have like pointed that out to me um, when I came a dad. And so recently we took her to uh, the Touch a Truck event here in town. And I, I was fired up about it. There's like big buses and garbage trucks and I don't know, every truck you can think of. And you get to go around firefighters and police cars and all these huge trucks at Asbury Field. And my wife was so excited about it, as was I. And so we get all ready and we go over to Asbury Field and literally within a minute, I mean, it's chaos. There's horns going off and balloons everywhere and crowds of people and a train ride. And, you know, within a few minutes, lady just goes, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> no, you're not done. Okay. We just got here. Okay, you're not done. Okay, I'm done with you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, just kidding. I'm done. You know, so, so then with, you know, a few minutes, I'm trying to like rein her in, you know, like don't embarrass me. Okay, um, I'm like, you know, she's like not calming down. So I'm like, okay, let's go check this out. So we try to go, you know, somewhere else. And, you know, within a few minutes, I'm done. I'm done. Okay, so. You're a disgrace. No, I'm just kidding. But so she's just having a meltdown over these trucks and she's done, obviously. Where did she learn I'm done? I have no idea. Um, she's like, I'm done. And so, you know, we, we, we get her, you know, we, we have to leave. We're only there for 30 minutes. So we're, you know, we're taking her and obviously I can't, you know, spank her in front of people because I want to go to jail. And so I'm like, I'm like, I am really disappointed in you really disappointed in you. And she's like, okay, okay. And now my wife is crying, right? I'm like, Manda, I'm not disappointed in you. I'm talking to her, okay? Okay, okay. So my wife's crying, Liddy's crying. So my wife's upset because she's, you know, our daughter's acting this way. So now, you know, as a father, but more as a husband, you got mama mad. You know, like, you just don't get mama mad. When you get mama mad, you get daddy really mad. So all the way home, I'm just like, daddy's really disappointed. Really? She doesn't understand anything I'm saying. She's like, okay, I'm sorry. 
hey, mommy. You know, so we get her all the way home. She's crying the whole way home. It was horrid. And so we get home and, and we put her down for a nap. And my wife's like, you know, you kind of laid it on a little thick in the car. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't win. But you know what? I got a great buddy in my life group. He's here today. His name's Mike Oliphant. And man, just, I get to talk with him about my struggles as a parent. And he gets to talk to me about his struggles as a parent. And you know what? It feels good to talk to someone and just hang out with him and be able to share our lessons, our mistakes, our issues, and grow with one another in the weaknesses of life. In the ones where you're like, dude, I need to repent to my kid. I need to apologize to my wife. There's something about being together with other people. It says that they devoted themselves together. They were eating together. They were praying for each other. They were generous towards each other. They praised God together. They just did all these things together. And it was a powerful thing. It was a party that just continued for year after year, and it still continues today. You know, as I close this message, I mean, I'm going to have the worship team. They're going to come back up. But I do want to give you an opportunity today. I want to invite you, first of all, to the greatest party on the planet. It's the party of salvation. And the Bible teaches us that when one person gives their life to Christ, there's rejoicing in heaven when one says yes to Jesus. That's why it's a party. And for a lot of us here today, we made that decision. We said yes to Jesus, and we thank God that we did. But there's people here today, without a doubt, that the word of God has pierced your heart like it did at the beginning of the early church. It's piercing your heart today. God's spirit is at work here. And I want to invite you to the amazing party of a living God who individually cares about you. And so what I'm going to do is the worship team is just going to play this one chorus that we just sang. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. We're going to let them play, and I'll give you an opportunity to respond. Would you just bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.